0: Sports Canada Daily Podcast for Friday, October 25th, but first, sports. Good morning, Canada, and happy Friday. We made it to Friday. A busy, busy weekend of sports is on the way. Game three of the World Series goes tonight. The series is swinging back to Washington, where the Nationals have a 2-0 lead in the series. After taking both of the first two games on the road in Houston, those Astros not only handed a pair of losses in the series, they spent the better part of the week dealing with the conduct of one of their now-former executives that occurred in the wake of the team's celebration of winning the ALCS. Brandon Tobman, who was, at the time, an assistant general manager for the franchise, made the celebration scene... Extremely uncomfortable when he began yelling in a very pointed manner about how happy he was that the team had acquired closer Roberto Osuna last year. Osuna, Jays fans will remember well, has a documented history of domestic assault charges and was suspended by the MLB for a lengthy period last season before the Astros acquired him. The target of his verbal assault, Tobman, that is, was a group of female reporters in the clubhouse. A specific target was a reporter who wears a domestic violence awareness bracelet and had uh, interacted with Todman multiple times and had tweeted repeatedly about the Astros handling and acquiring and celebrating Osuna. The Astros initially, when this all came out, called into question the reporter's account of the events. They then retracted the questioning, then issued a I'm sorry if sort of apology from Tobman, and then... The MLB launched an investigation of the incident. One of the reporters in the room during all of this, right in the middle of it, one of the people that were getting yelled at is Yahoo Sports own Hannah Kaiser, who has been traveling all over the United States for the last month plus during the MLB playoff run. She's been doing incredible coverage. Hannah, we'll get to the incident in the clubhouse and the ALCS in a moment, but first, I would like to talk to you about the World Series. You host a video series every week during the season called The Bandwagon. You offer up your rationale for throwing support behind different teams in the league. Who should fans be bandwagoning in the World Series?
1: Okay, so I am bandwagoning the Washington Nationals. I'm totally bought into like how exciting it is to see a team that had previously had this sort of like October curse hanging over them. They had never advanced. Since they moved to DC, um, they had never moved, advanced in a postseason series. It they, they had made it to the postseason, but they had um, never won a series. And I just think it is like truly an, an eminently bandwagonable team in the sense of like they're incredibly fun. I mean, like you, the the entire sort of success narrative of the team is tied into how much fun they have with the dancing that they do after home runs and the like baby shark song that um Dorita brought and like they they are openly fun and that is sort of um in contrast i think particularly to not unfun but sort of analytically driven um And the Nationals are old. They're the oldest team in baseball. And I don't know about you, but, like, I'm incredibly biased (laughs) towards old baseball teams because it makes me think that it's not too late for me to, like, have some sort of athletic dominance that I'm never going to actually have. It is, they're quite, they really do have, like, Juan Soto is incredible and so much fun and like one of the youngest stars in baseball and that somehow the rest of the team is so old that the average of their ages is, is still the oldest team in
0: baseball. On the other side, the Astros, uh, built around the top three pitchers, a, a really star-studded lineup. What has it been through two games that has sort of doomed them? And is it so much that it's impossible to see them coming out of it?
1: The interesting thing about this series is that coming into it, uh, the team's, not to say that they were well matched, I mean I guess the rotations were well matched with this idea of sort of three really dominant starting pitchers. Um and so I think it has opened up a lot of questions about like what else is different, both in the constructions of the teams, but also maybe like their experiences. Like it's hard to not watch these games and wonder whether it has it matters at all that the Nationals had like four or five days off, I think, and the, the Astros did not. Um, I think they're just worn down, man. <laughs> We're all worn down. Maybe that's just a little bit of empathy coming from me, but it's, I think there's sort of two ways for a team to lose in October, and it's sort of either they're not the better team or it's that they're just not playing as well as they should be. Uh, and the Astros are definitely just not playing as well as they should be. They're making mistakes. The pitchers who are – like the past two nights, the Nationals have beat pitchers who are going to finish one and two for the AL Cy Young. Like those are – Good pitchers. They didn't, they didn't, the Astros didn't lose because they like didn't have a great ace. It's interesting because you're seeing a team, teams that are sort of fairly well matched, and one of them is really overperforming and one of them is frankly just underperforming the way that they shouldn't.
0: Now, the Astros had a news story follow them into this series uh, that, that you were actually ended up being present for whole, like, what can you say about the whole experience at this point without having to? relive a bad experience.
1: Yeah. So um for me I think what was one one thought that I have about this is just the idea of like how hard it is to get facts to stick in the news these days. (laughs) It's like like a slightly upsetting experience to have this this conversation sort of become about like due process and all these like weird buzzwords that uh truth deniers I guess tend to try out. So anyway. And to me what really stands out about this and, and, and what I talked to MLB about because I participated in their investigation was the fact that whether or not his intent was up for interpretation, the effect was quite clear the The effect was that it created sort of a an unpleasant, toxic, unsafe work environment for um, reporters, specifically female reporters uh, and it is I think upsetting to see the Astros, they're sort of, they've walked back their initial statement, which called into question Sports Illustrated's reporting of the incident, but the way that like they've attempted to uh, cast out on not just how they think this should be handled, but whether or not it even happened. And, and it did like it is the, my, my ultimate reaction to all of this is that like um, I wish it hadn't happened. I'm sure everyone involved wishes it hadn't happened. I also wish that I hadn't, witnessed it like it is regardless of whether or not you can ever know another person's mind and their intent he he did in fact create an unpleasant unsafe sort of toxic work environment for female reporters at a time when like it's very stressful and you have to be there um, and the conversation I think we should be having is about how to mitigate that and how that should be punished and not like, you know, what what exists in the heart and mind of Brandon Talon that we could never know.
0: Shortly after this interview concluded, right before Hannah got on a plane to fly to DC, the Astros announced that they had fired him. So the Astros Eventually, severed ties with him, but uh, continued to sort of fumble the messaging on the way out. As I said off the top of the show, a very busy sports weekend is on the way. The Maple Leafs play a back-to-back starting tonight at home against the San Jose Sharks and against the Montreal Canadiens on the road Saturday and the Raptors on the road in Boston tonight to take on the Celtics. But wait, there's more. There's also back-to-back nights of Bellator Mixed Martial Arts on the way this weekend. Bellator 231 is on Friday, 232 is Saturday. And joining me to talk about the events is one of the most legendary figures in the sport. Former referee Big John McCarthy is on the line right now. John's been in the ring for main events going back all the way back to UFC 2 in 1994. He now plies his trade as a color commentator for the Bellator broadcast on DAZN. John, what are you looking most forward to this weekend?
2: It's going to be an interesting night with a lot of good fights on the first one. I look forward to the Jason Jackson against Ed Ruth is one that I'm really looking forward to. I want to see that. And uh, then the Mirror versus uh, Nelson fight should be really interesting since both guys are coming in off of uh, multiple losses and both guys need to win, so you think that in that situation, they need to go for it. So hopefully it's going to make for a really good fight.
0: Now, MMA referee is an interesting job. I mean, that's an understatement. What, what are some of the challenges or some of the hardest things to do as an MMA referee that, that people may not be able to see with, with the naked eye?
2: Oh, how about everything? <laughs>
0: uh,
2: it's, you know, it, it's, it, it's so easy for me to sit here. and I can tell you that in, in some fights, it's the easiest job in the world. Because all you got to do is walk around. Now you're you're always on what I call you know the state of you know high alert because you know you, you don't know what's going to happen. But you can have a fight where guys are really fighting well, everything is going well. You don't do a thing throughout the fight because they're just doing what they're supposed to be doing. There's no you know fouls. There's nothing, and fight goes a distance. Anybody could have been standing in there doing that fight and would have made a difference. And then there are the fights where you better know what you're doing and you better have experience because you can make decisions that negatively affect the fight and that's when the difference in the official starts to come to bear and people will, you know, all of a sudden I don't like that guy because of what he's doing and stuff, but it's uh, when when the proverbial shit hits the fan it always helps to be a guy that's had experience and know exactly where you're going with this and what you're going to do to take care of it.
0: How has the fight game evolved since uh, you started? And even in the last, say, five to 10 years, how much different is it uh, to be a part of? Yeah,
2: you go back and watch the early UFC, most people laugh because, you know, the fighters were limited in what they could do and, you know, exactly how they did it. And it was one style versus another style. And it was basically, that that was like the 1.0 version in computers. And then we got to the, Randy Couture's and Chuck Liddell's 2.0, and then we got into the BJ Penn's of the 3.0. George St. Pierre's was the 4.0, and now we're into the 5.0 with guys like a Yair Rodriguez doing some of the crazy stuff he does, and Adesanya, and the John Jones. It's crazy how good these guys are now. You know, we've got kids like AJ McKee that can do everything and do it well. And so they're they're not this guy. Oh, he's got a wrestling background. No, these guys are mixed martial artists from the get go. From being kids, they've been doing it all. And so that's what makes them so fun to watch and so good at what they do now.
0: Is there anything else you want to get in or about the event that you think people should know?
2: I think you know everyone should be tuning in to watch Douglas Lima facing the champion in Roy McDonald for that welterweight Grand Prix title. That is going to be, you know, I can't think of a fight that I want to see more this year than that one right there. Those guys put it all out the first time. And if it's half the fight that the first one was, you know it's going to be something special. So that's going to be on Saturday night on the phone. So if you're not watching that, you are a fool.
0: Both nights of fights, as John said, are available this weekend on DAZN Friday and Saturday night. And there's plenty more to watch all weekend long. As I said, the Raptors play game two of their season against the Celtics in Boston this evening. The Maple Leafs on a back-to-back tonight against the San Jose Sharks. And tomorrow, Saturday, in Montreal to take on the Habs. And game three of the World Series. We talked about that with Hannah. at the Top of the show. So much to watch. That is tonight. So, so much to watch tonight. So much to talk about. And so much will be different on the next episode, which comes your way on Monday morning, as that is all the time I have got for this morning's show and for this week. So get out there and live it up. It's Friday.
2: Hold up.